so much for listening. We hope that you were encouraged by today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. For more uplifting and thought-provoking content, please visit us online at servantsofgrace.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Servants of Grace and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Servants of Grace. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you next time. Welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today, I have Bob Kerr. Bob, welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. Uh, thank you, Dave, and I'm happy to be here. Kate, can you uh, tell us, sir, about your life, marriage, ministry, and some of the current ministry projects that you're working on? I was uh, born in a poor uh, coal mining area in northeastern Pennsylvania, Wilkesbury, Scranton. Uh, my dad was a uh, northern pres minister for most of his life, and he was a conservative. He was well-known conservative in uh, northeastern Pennsylvania. So I grew up in a pastor's uh, home. Just before I went to college, I either was converted or had a significant growth in my sanctification curve. Uh, So I got much more serious about the Lord before I went out to college. I went to Penn State. I was uh, went in engineering, and then I was an engineer post-Penn State for seven years. And I loved engineering, but I loved uh, uh, teaching the Bible uh, also. So then I sort of switched, uh, went to uh, seminary, got a Ph.D., uh, and then uh, RTS was uh, dumb enough to hire me 26 years ago. Uh, so I've been at the Charlotte version of uh, Reformed Theological Seminary for 26 years teaching uh, Greek and New Testament. I'm also uh, the provost of all of RTS. RTS has a whole bunch of campuses, so I'm over all the campuses. And if you happen to know Lake Duncan, he's kind of number one at RTS. And then on the little flow chart, I'm number two as the provost. Uh, he asked about my marriage, and I appreciate that. I met my lovely wife, when I was two years old, uh, as her family came to my dad's uh, church. So I've known my wife uh, virtually my whole life. Her name's Jill. Uh, we have uh, two children, four grandchildren, and my uh, daughter's married uh, to a minister. I'm in the one of the conservative Presbyterian uh, denominations called the Associate Reform Presbyterian, which is mostly in the uh, southeastern United States. So I'm an ordained minister in that denomination, uh, but my ordained job is to be a uh, seminary professor. Uh, he asked about what current ministry projects, uh, well, academic world, um, halfway through a commentary on the book of Hebrews uh, at the moment would be my main academic thing I'm doing. Preach about every other week around at churches where ministers are on vacation and doing uh, or invite me to preach. Uh, so I attend the church every other week and then I preach somewhere uh, in the off uh, weeks. Uh, thanks for asking, Dave. Uh, any uh, follow-up on that? Oh, uh, well, yeah, um, I, I think that, uh, they're very blessed to have you at, at, as the provost for sure. And I don't think you're done by any stretch of the imagination. So I would just say that I think you're a bit silly, but that's, a, that's good. That's good. We need more, uh, more, more, a little more humor from our theologians. <laughs> uh, point well taken. <laughs> yeah. But we won't name names. Uh, yeah, no naming names. Um, <laughs>
Well, can you uh, please tell us a bit about this book, which uh, Matt, Dr. Barrett uh, had to contribute to, the, the doctrine on which the church stands or falls, justification and biblical, theological, historical, and pastoral perspective, um, and, and your contribution to this fantastic volume. Okay, well, yes, this book's uh, over 900 pages. It's, it's very impressive. Uh, uh, Dr. Barrett, the editor, and he wrote several uh, articles, really put together a team working with Crossway. It, it is impressive. It, it's a combination of, they're all, all the writers are very conservative. They're uh, reformed. We got reformed Presbyterians, the reformed Baptists. There's a reformed Anglican or two, and one uh, reformed Lutheran. Maybe there's the second one. I'm not 100 sure, but uh, at least one I know is reformed Lutheran. So it, it has a kind of, uh, a breath in that sense, uh, but uh, they're all kind of the core on the justification issue. The traditional reformed, or probably our Lutheran brothers would say, no, it's the Lutheran uh, view or Reformation uh, view. So it's got a broad, uh, within that sense, uh, group of authors, uh, and several of their authors from Australia, from Europe. From uh, Great Britain, uh, America. Uh, there's probably one from Canada, but it's not coming to me quickly. If there's someone from Canada, uh, another thing about this book is, uh, as you said in the title, it covers uh, biblical issues explicitly. Actually, it goes through a bunch of Old Testament books. How justification's there? Justification, New Testament. Uh, it goes through the theological issues, uh, justification itself, kind of theologically. But then, as opposed to Roman Catholicism, as opposed to something called New. Perspective. Another intriguing section is the church history section, where it'll show a large portion of what became the Reformed or Lutheran view of justification was in uh, the medieval church and in the uh, early church, maybe not completely worked out, uh, but those are uh, wonderful sections there. And it even has some pastoral application sections uh, toward the end. So it's uh, quite a book by uh, quite impressive uh, authors. Now, my uh, section uh, is a more technical angle about, uh, and we'll get to new perspective later, but there's technical questions about the Jewish background at the time of Jesus uh, and Paul, and then how that works into uh, Paul's arguments about justification. So my book is, or my article is on, uh, in what sense was works righteousness in second, as we call it, Second Temple Judaism, or the, the Jewish uh, religion at the time of Jesus and Paul? Any follow-up? No, that that's very good, very good. What exactly uh, is justification, for those who aren't familiar with the term? Good question. I'll, I'll kind of answer in two parts. First, I'll, I'll point out that uh, Paul uses the word justification in multiple ways. And for instance, just at the word level, if you just stick to the book of Romans, he says that we're justified by grace. And then he says we're justified by the blood of Christ or Christ's work, and we're justified by faith. So he uses the same word justified or justification, and then he uses grace, the work of Christ, and faith. So you got so in your definition of justification, you kind of get you got to get all three together. Yeah. And being Presbyterian, Dave, I'm going to run to the Shorter Catechism, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 33, and you'll and the answer will put these three things together, and it says, 
Justification is an act, meaning a one-time thing, of God's free grace, wherein he pardons all our sins, the negative and then the positive, accepts us as righteous in his sight, only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Or to say it in my language, justification is a forensic or legal declaration that a sinful human being is declared absolutely righteous, and that's by grace. And the logic is, how can a sinful human being be declared righteous? Because his sinfulness uh, was thrown on to Christ, or imputed to Christ, and then Christ's perfect living a life, righteous life, uh, was imputed to the human being. So therefore, we're declared justified or declared righteous, the same Greek, just an English difference, uh, based on the work of Christ. So we are righteous legally based on uh, the work of Christ. And how do we grab on to Christ? It's only faith, not faith and works, uh, only Faith. Uh, I'll stop that definition there. expand on that, Dave? Oh, no, that's really helpful. I, I like to think of it, and, and, and I know Paul is, might be thinking of a, the language of a, of a courtroom being declared not guilty, and I, I like to think of that anyway, just being declared not guilty. You know, uh, in, the, in, the, in the legal system, we, we take people, you know, to, to court when they commit, you know, crimes and, and those kinds of things. And so, you know, Paul might have that in mind. I, I'm not sure off the top of my head. It's been a while since I've studied Romans, but I, I like to think of it that way. You know, the, the prosecuting attorney and the, the defense attorney, you know, you got a judge there and they, they have to call to, to court. And, and, uh, you know, we've been declared not, not that, that, uh, criminal would be declared, uh, not guilty, you know, after, after the trial. And, you know, we know that it's only because of Christ that we've been declared not guilty. And, and I think that even has application in, in my mind also to, you know, Christ's ministry. First, uh, first John 2, 1 says that Christ is our advocate. And, you know, what does an advocate do? He, he pleads, uh, 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 Christ as our advocate pleads the, you know, the merits of his, his perfect spotless righteousness. So yeah, there's just so much connection there. I think, um, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, uh, I, I take Paul's using the word justification as using the law court uh, aspect of it. So we, we use the fancy words we call forensic. That's just a fancy word for uh, law court, yeah, that were declared just. And then he's using the same language in the Old Testament uh, law court uh, laws. Uh, so it's a wonderful thing that we're declared not guilty. Uh, but then the question is, based on what are we declared not guilty? Oh, it's based on the work of Christ. And then how do, what is the instrument by which we grab onto it? Uh, it's, uh, faith in the person and work of mm. Christ, uh, wonderfully, uh, so. Yeah, that's, that's well said. How important is it for Christians to have a robust biblical and theologically informed understanding of the doctrine of justification, justification for their life and ministry? It's very important. In what sense, you may ask? Uh, I like to think of it as justification is the foundation uh, of the Christian life. Uh, we could distinguish between the foundation of the Christian life and the goal of the Christian life. Uh, the goal of the Christian life, ultimately, is glorify God and get to the new heavens and new earth, uh, interact with Him personally, uh, here in this life, and do good works for Him, but then the end game is to be with Him forever and heavens and new earth. That's, that's sort of the goal, but the foundation, the starting point, the entrance into uh, all of that is justification. So therefore, because it's the starting point, that adds 
to the import of justification. Because we think of when we're converted, uh, as Calvin said, we get a double grace. The first grace is what we've been talking about, justification. We're legally declared uh, not guilty uh, and we're accepted in his sight. But in addition to that, uh, he uh, gives us the Holy Spirit and starts to change us uh, through our Christian life and eventually glorifies us with a new body, perfect soul, and a new heavens and new earth. So the importance of justification is to get the starting point correct. Uh, and for instance, if you think about sanctification, living for Christ, uh, if you don't have a good grounding that it's based on the work of Christ that ultimately I'm getting into heaven, mm. therefore, as you're doing good works, you're going to always have these mixed motives. Uh, or I say your sanctification or your living for Christ is going to be wobbly if you don't have a good starting point of justification because you're just not 100% clear, why am I being a good person? Why am I helping uh, others? Uh, and you'll slowly bring in a kind of works righteousness. I'm really sort of doing this to get points for heaven, but if you have a strong justification, I'm accepted in Christ's sight, I'm getting to heaven, my merit is ultimately Christ and not what I'm doing. Uh, a strong view, correct view of justification makes your sanctification better. And due to sin, sanctification is hard to start to do, but uh, without a strong justification, uh, your sanctification is going to be wobbly uh, for much of your Christian life. Yeah, that's that's really good. I would just add one thing. You know, it also helps those of us in, in ministry of, of some kind or, or any kind, you know, because for the same reason that you just said, it, it helps us to, to know that it's not our performance. It's not our uh, what we do that that matters. It's it's solely because of all that Christ has already already done for us. And so we can rest in that and declare that uh, faithfully um, and wholeheartedly, um, you know, to the glory of God. All of our life is of grace, but uh, the justification emphasizes uh, that grace because it's just zero that we did to merit heaven. Uh, and so, you know, another angle is it aids you in worshiping God because uh, if you understand justification and the cross, again, God is doing many wonderful things for us, including the new heavens and new earth. But one wonderful thing he did is the cross. And a large part of that is related to uh, justification. Now, cross is also related to other things, but uh, related to justification. How important is it that Christians have a good grasp of what the church has taught on justification uh, from church history? advantage of this book, it does have a good historical section. Uh, now, the, I would say in the Reformation, the church got all the P's and Q's correct on the technicalities of justification. It, it was in before the Reformation, but the whole church kind of wasn't agreeing to it, or portions weren't, uh, and a few of the technicalities uh, weren't as clear as they could have been. So I would say before the Reformation, even in the Roman Catholic Church, what we call the Roman Catholic Church before the Reformation, there was a pretty good views of justification and some pretty bad views of justification. When it got to uh, the Reformation, unfortunately, well, Reformation good, but unfortunately, the parts of, from my view, of Roman Catholicism before that, sort of in an overreaction to the Reformation, uh, the Roman Catholic Church at something called the Council of Trent, Trent just being a city in Italy, uh, in the middle 1500s, uh, kind of codified a, a view of justification that was really a combination of grace and works. So historically, yeah, there's a lot of things in church history, uh, but uh, two things to take back. There were 
grounded in a complete way. And unfortunately, the bad side of Roman Catholicism got codified in this council they call the Council of Trent. Follow up on that, Dave? Yeah, I'm just I'm just reminded about Luther and, and Calvin, you know, talking about the justification being the hinge on which uh, the Christian faith stands or falls. And of course, uh, Luther's great study um, through Romans and uh, Galatians that helped him to, you know, come out from from everything that you just described and just, just getting digging into the text, uh, just, just amazed at, at just that, you know. Um, the more that we get into the text and understand um, what, what Scripture says, we'll, we'll grow in our understanding of these things. And so I, I would just encourage people to do that, and along with, you know, reading Calvin and Luther and, and others. Yeah, a part of the Reformation movement was a, a back to the Bible movement, and so that paints clearer uh, on the technicalities uh, of justification. And yes, Calvin and Luther are the, you know, if you want to start reading in the Protestants, those are the two two big names. Uh, there's a lot of names, but those are the two big names uh, in the Reformation. And then all the Reformed creeds that came out of it uh, have good summaries of many Bible doctrines, including the Grand Justification Doctrine. And things like the Trinity, the Reformers agreed with the Roman Catholic Catholics, the two natures of Christ, he's fully God, fully man, they agree, but on ultimately what merits heaven, aspects of the Roman Catholic Church that combined grace and works, uh, and that's what they were uh, fighting against to make it, the merit is 100% uh, grace, the work of Christ applied by the Holy Spirit to us, and our faith in Christ being the instrument by which we are justified. Well said. How should evangelicals respond to challenges from Rome on justification? Yes. So I'm going to answer this question as if you're interacting, not at an academic level, but you're interacting with people that are Roman Catholic. Now, trying to explain Roman Catholicism currently is a little complicated because uh, there's the Council of Trent in the mid-1500s, which has many good things in it, but it has a very bad view of justification uh, and it has purgatory and all the implications uh, connecting to that, a, a grace plus works kind of system. And then uh, recently, in the mid-1990s, the Roman Catholic Church came out with the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and it's better on a bunch of doctrines, but justification, it's still the same old trend. It's said a little nicer, but it's still the same old trend. It still has purgatory. It still has doing penance and rosaries for merit. It's still a combination of faith and works. Now, okay, that's their official doctrine, uh, document. But what one needs to realize is that uh, after Vatican II, which was in the 1960s, uh, there's sort of been a back-to-the-Bible movement in little sections of Roman Catholicism. There's a like, very liberal aspect of Roman Catholicism. So when you say, what does the Roman Catholic Church believe? Well, technically, they believe their official creeds, and they're not good on justification. But a lot of people in the Roman Catholic Church don't believe uh, uh, the creeds. Uh, uh, some of them are even worse than the creeds. They're almost a pure works. But then you're going to meet a Roman Catholic priest who, not a complete Reformation view, but they're getting uh, better on it. Uh, all that to say, it's hard. you got to sort of diagnose the person you're talking to. Uh, are they ultimately trusting in Christ for their merit, you know, and press them on that? Uh, is Christ 
the merit of your justification is ultimately faith in Christ, uh, what saves you, um, and see see where they say, diagnose them a little bit. I, I would recommend, if you're interested in interacting with Roman Catholics, to actually buy the 1990s uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church, so you at least you'll have the official view of what uh, Roman Catholics are supposed to believe, but you're going to find out when you interact with them, some don't even know their own church's doctrine, or if they do, it's confused in their mind, or some will give a Protestant answer, and you're like, well, you're not supposed to believe that, you're supposed to believe a more Catholic answer. And I honestly believe that at least there's a segment of the Roman Catholic people, church, that truly believe in Christ for their merit. They're just confused at the edges on that. But the official doctrine is not good. Yeah. I anyway, think, there's my rambling answer. No, I, I think that's really helpful. And and when you're you're talking about being confused, I, I I'm just I'm just brought to mind not just Catholics, but, but Mormons, you know, you talk to, I, I lived in Idaho for a decade and you would talk to, uh, you would talk to, I, I can give you an example. I, I talked to my neighbor who, uh, you know, he had been a missionary, um, gone on a missions trip and well, they, a lot, most of them do, but, um, so, so he supposedly knew what, what Mormon doctrine was and everything. And so I was, I was talking to him about justification and those types of things. And he, he had, you know, you, you can tell when somebody's eyes are glossed over and, and they're just yeah. blind. And, and that was definitely, sadly, the case. But then um, then there's this Christian radio station. I don't know if you have it out there on the, uh, called Caleb. And uh, do, do you have Caleb? Do you have Caleb out there in Charlotte? I'm not sure. I know I don't listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> not that I'm it. <laughs> I, I can't blame I you. I listen to your podcast, Dave. Oh, do you really? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's kind. Thank you for listening. Anyway, uh, so, uh, so moving back to the, my, the point. Um, so I, uh, I, I, uh, I mentioned, uh, oh, you, you have this, you know, Christian radio sticker on the, on the thing. And oh my gosh, um, he, he, his face lit up and I'm like, oh, so they preach the gospel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, no, 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 they don't. <laughs> no, um, you're not hearing the gospel. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't, to be clear, I don't know. Uh, I don't listen to Caleb, so I don't know if they, they preach the, yeah, the gospel yeah. or not. I'm, I'm not saying that they do or don't. I'm just saying, um, you know, it was interesting when I, when I asked the, when I, when I was talking to him about justification and then, you know, uh, mentioned the, the sticker that, you know, there, there clearly was a disconnect. He was clearly confused. That, that's all I mean. I'm not trying to pick on Caleb in any way. Um, yeah. So don't, don't hear me say that. I'm just saying that it's interesting that there's people that are, confused uh not just roman catholics but i think uh, mormons and 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 others on on what exactly this is so yeah and yeah a good question is you know based on what or a little more technical question what is the merit by which god accepts you now and you know accepts you into heaven and the answer should be the same the merit is ultimately uh, the work of christ his being on the cross took care of your sins, his righteous life is imputed to you. So you're declared righteous or perfect uh, based on the work of Christ. And then how do you get that? The instrument of faith. Um, so, you know, trying to make it as clear as you can. And sometimes the Roman Catholics will say, well, well, that's what I believe. And that's that's a good thing they say that. And then I would politely then say, oh, if you really believe that, uh, I, uh, I politely recommend you then go to a Protestant church so mm-hmm. that what you're saying would be consistent with uh, what would be preached at a conservative Protestant church uh, that preaches the Bible. That's, but, 
That's really well said. Yeah. How how should evangelicals respond to challenges from the new perspective on Paul and justification? Good question, Dave. In fact, a big part of my scholarship, as it happened in the providence of God, uh, is related to what we call new perspective on Paul. Okay, now what in the world is new perspective on Paul? Well, you can see it's a new perspective as opposed to the old perspective. So the old perspective is the traditional uh, Protestant perspective. Uh, and in fact, uh, and, and the new perspective starts in the early 80s, but before that, even people that were liberal, liberal scholars would say, oh, well, the Protestant view of justification is correct. And that's what Paul thought. And they would just say, but I don't believe it's true that a person could die on the cross for sins or something like that. But they would say, yes, that's what Paul taught. So all of scholarship, whether you were a conservative or a liberal and you were in Pauline scholarship, uh, most of them believed in the traditional, that Paul had the traditional Protestant view. Okay, so what's the new perspective? What's that about? Well, the new perspective is really a combination of two new perspectives. The first of the two new perspectives is the Judaism of Paul's day was not like what the, uh, we used to think it was. So the, they said the Judaism of Paul's day was was not in any way works righteousness oriented. And that's their starting point. And then based off of that, they say, now, therefore, we have to change our view of Paul. Now, why would they say that? Think of the traditional Protestant view, and I would say that the accurate Bible view, that many times Paul contrasts uh, justification by grace or faith or, or the work of Christ as opposed to justification by works. The traditional Protestant view says these are two opposites. Paul is presenting two opposites. One is ultimately by grace. The other is ultimately by works, uh, your own merit. You have to include your own merit. So Paul is opposing these two things. So therefore, the traditional view, uh, the traditional Protestant view, our understanding of justification by grace is partially because it's the opposite of justification by works or works of the law, as Paul says. Okay, so since that's a traditional view, the new perspective said, well, you know, the traditional view assumes that Paul's arguing against justification by uh, works. But our new view of Judaism says no one believes that you were justified by works. There was no works righteousness. And if there was no works righteousness, that means Paul could not have been arguing against uh, that means we're not properly understanding Paul, that somehow it's all goofed up. So they start with Paul was not arguing against works righteousness. Uh, and then they're going to end up with, well, so why was he not arguing against works righteousness? Because no one believed it. And this is their view. And so they start with there is no works righteousness in, in uh, the, the Judaism of Paul's day. Uh, so therefore, what was Paul arguing against? Um, and they have differing answers to that, but ultimately their answer is uh, uh, Paul was arguing against a view uh, that uh, Paul's main point was Jewish Christians accept the Gentile, accept the Gentile Christians into the church. So therefore, when Paul says he's against works, all he really meant was he's against the, uh, what we, they call the Jewish works of uh, Sabbath, circumcision, and food loss. So all Paul was saying when he said, I'm against justification by works, all he meant was you don't have to do the food loss. So therefore, overall, their view of what Paul's view was, justification by grace just really means grace plus works. 
And what he was really opposed was, just don't include in the works uh, Sabbath circumcision and food laws. In other words, uh, let's accept the Gentiles into the church. They don't have to do uh, the Jewish uh, food laws and the circumcision and Sabbath. Now, the Protestant then response, or the traditional response back is to say, well, yes, sometimes Paul was arguing that, yes, we need to accept Gentiles into the church, and sometimes he was arguing about uh, Sabbath circumcision and food laws, but that was a more surface-level problem, where the deeper problem was uh, people were using Sabbath circumcision and food laws as merit works. So uh, the traditional view is he was always arguing against merit works. Uh, sometimes it was Sabbath circumcision and food laws. Parts of Galatians are probably there. Uh, but that more basic argument by Paul is he's against any kind of works for merit. Okay, that is a very confusing, complicated uh, answer. Uh, Dave, you want me to clean something up on that complicated answer? <laughs> yeah. So, so basically, if I'm hearing you right, basically what the new perspective on Paul wants to do is, is they want to redefine what justification by, by faith is according to the, according to what the Bible says and according to what the, uh, what we as, uh, reformed Christians would, would say. Correct. Uh, so, so for instance, there's several famous names. Uh, there's a famous name, Sanders. He was the Jewish background part of the argument. And then, so what did, uh, Paul really mean by justification? There's two famous names. One is N.T. Wright and one is James Dunn. And they said that Paul's view was sort of, you initially got into the church by grace, uh, but then you get into heaven by a combination of grace and works. So they had this sort of initial justification and then final justification. Now their works, they, to their credit, would say they were prompted by the Holy Spirit. But in the end, it's a combination of grace and works. Uh, they also don't have in any sense the imputed, they don't believe in what we call imputation or that God legally uh, declared us righteous uh, based on the work of Christ. Uh, yeah, so sort of in class, after I go through this big, long technical explanation, I then summarize in the following manner. I say, okay, students, here's the summary. New perspective, bad. That's my summary. Traditional <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Protestant view, good. Uh, Excellent. Uh, 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 and uh, listeners haven't heard of new perspective at all. Again, it's a complicated issue. And again, it's just too argument. Uh, there is no works rights. <laughs> and then therefore that changes. Paul wasn't arguing against what we thought he was arguing against. And therefore that changes uh, uh, Paul's view of justification to some kind of combination of uh, grades and works. And then once they do that, uh, that becomes a problem. Now, there are other things that people that call themselves new perspective talk about besides justification and those uh, aren't so bad, but it's the uh, new perspective on justification uh, that uh, traditional evangelicals uh, like myself and you uh, would consider to be a big problem. Yeah, yeah. So, so the best way to respond to that is is just to teach what the what the Bible and and what you know the Reformed creeds and confessions and and others uh, going back to our point about studying church history and getting into the Bible. Uh, that that would be the best way to to deal with with these challenges. I agree. Now, in my uh, background of scholarship and my PhD, and uh, 
it just happened to be that I knew a lot about uh, the Jewish background stuff. And in fact, so I've written a book on it, and, and uh, my article in this uh, justification book that we're talking about is on that. And, but I always say the ultimate argument for the correct view of justification is from the Bible. Uh, but I'm going to respond to uh, new perspective people's uh, technical arguments about second about the Jewish background, where I show that many documents in the Jewish background are works righteousness oriented, uh, and some are wonderfully grace oriented too. Uh, but uh, Paul, it makes sense. He was arguing against works righteousness because Second Temple people or Jewish background well, there was lots of works righteousness in it. And on top of that, Paul argues that. Uh, uh, what we call the covenant of works, or back to Adam. Uh, there was works righteousness there. That in the history of Israel, there was works righteousness. So Paul's own arguments aren't just about the current situation. He argues the history of Israel had aspects uh, of works righteousness, that they were wrongly understanding uh, what God was doing. Uh, so a big part of my life was the technicalities uh, of the Jewish background uh, part of this argument. But ultimately, the answer isn't my arguments against their arguments, the second temp, uh, the background stuff. It's about uh, the Bible per se. Yeah, that's a good answer. Uh, do you want to briefly tell us about your your book with Christian Focus on this topic? <laughs> yes, I can. Uh, it happens to be called uh, "Cracking the Foundation of the New Perspective on Paul," and the foundation is the the Jewish background uh, part of it. So I show even from their own logic, uh, if you could show there's works righteousness in the Jewish background stuff that then blows up their own argument. Another part of the technical argument uh, that I include in that in, in this book is that um, many new perspective people, not all of them, but many of them only think Paul wrote seven of the 13 letters uh, attributed to him. So books like Ephesians, uh, 2 Timothy, uh, uh, Colossians, uh, and, and six, there's a total of six they don't think that Paul wrote. And so in some of those books, there are uh, tremendous statements about Paul and justification, but those uh, statements in those books uh, do not get included in the argument because many of the new perspective people don't think that he wrote those books. So part of my book is looking at Ephesians 2, Titus 3, and 2 Timothy 1, which has these great uh, justification sections, but the new perspective people just sort of bracket them out, not going to talk about it. Uh, I, you know, They say Paul only wrote seven letters, so they only talk about uh, the seven. Uh, and again, this is a kind of technical academic uh, angles. Yeah, that, that's really helpful. Uh, what is the necessity of understanding justification for pastoral ministry? Yeah, uh, good question. Now we can get off the uh, technical academic uh, discussions. Again, similar to your uh, question before, the importance, um, you know, for, for ministry, you know, one thing of interacting people is preaching the gospel or talking about the gospel uh, at McDonald's and how you perceive uh, the gospel, uh, the good news. And in my traditional understanding of Protestants, and I would say the Bible, is uh, the good news is centered around uh, who God is, triune God, uh, Jesus, is fully God, fully man, uh, and the work that he did for us uh, and applied by the Holy Spirit. And the work that he did for us, a major part of it is justification. So that's at the core of the center of the good news, what he did for us. Now, also part of 
of good news is also he gives us the Holy Spirit to do sanctification and we can do good works for him in this world. Uh, and also part of the good news is the end game when we're glorified ultimately in the new heavens and new earth. Uh, so uh, justification is part of a very important part of the core uh, of the gospel. Um, uh, and also many, many people feel guilty about their sins. And so justification uh, wonderfully solves that. Now, there's certain people that never think about they're a sinner, so part of the gospel is them. There is a God who is the judge, and you have sinned, uh, but there's uh, a wonderful plan of salvation about that sin. Um, so uh, there's many angles uh, to uh, justification and pastoral ministry. Um, how would you answer that question, Dave? <laughs> Wow, okay, put me on the spot. Thanks. Back on the hot seat. Um hopefully I have a good answer. Uh yeah, I, I think you're I think you're touching on something really important when you're talking about, you know, there, there's even some Christians, well, I'm, I'm so worthless. And and part of that, yes, is true. You know, we don't we don't uh only it's only because of Christ that, that we have real worth and value. But uh, but a lot of Christians feel unnecessarily worthless and and so they so they beat themselves up. And I think what just does is it, it helps remind us, you know, not only am I not guilty, but I, I'm given union with Christ. You know, I'm united to Christ by faith, Paul would say, uh, you know, so that we would have communion with Christ. And, and so then we could get into the whole in Christ language, like in Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Or, or you could talk about the d- depressed and the discouraged person. How do you, how do you counsel and minister to them and just walking them through if they're, if they're indeed, as you, as you said earlier, a, a Christian. Um, and we and we want to be careful about that, not giving false assurance and, and those types of things. But you know, to the to the Christian who who you know understands the gospel, we can we can encourage them. We can uh, t- help them to to understand how you know Christ is there uh, is a rock of refuge and a very present help in time of need. And um, I love what Hebrews two uh, seventeen through eighteen and Hebrews uh, four fourteen through sixteen says. You know that Jesus is a sympathetic high priest who you know is sinless and. And, but understands everything that uh, that we're going through, and he invites us, summons us before his throne, and, and so um, that's just very encouraging. That's um, good news. Yeah, I agree completely. And there's a way that justification applies to is an important topic to the unchristian as we're talking to them. Uh, but then there's also, as you pointed out, an important way that justification uh, is is good to talk to a, a current. A Christian, uh, or another way to say it is, there's many motivations uh, to live for Christ today. You're already a Christian or a sanctification. Many motivations, but one motivation is to remember uh, that you are justified. Uh, and that's an encouragement. There's other motivations in the Bible. God says he's holy, therefore we should be holy. Uh, uh, yeah, many motivations uh, to uh, live the Christian life that the Bible gives and realities that relate to those motivations. But one motivation is to remember uh, your justification, um, uh, as you well pointed out. Yes, sir. Outside of this book, what other books would you recommend Christians read on the doctrine of justification? <laughs> yeah, there's a thousand. <laughs> I you mean good ones. <laughs> yes, yes. The important qualifier there. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and now, uh, I knew you were going to ask this question, so I, I actually thought about the answer. <laughs> Um, uh, so I have, uh, I'll, I'll mention four. Uh, the first one is, uh, by a gentleman named John Fesco, F-E-S-K-O, and it's, uh, understanding the classic doctrine of justification.
justification. Uh, he'll talk about some of the goofy views or wrong views of justification, but mostly it's going to be about uh, uh, the biblical defense, and then he'll have a lot of background about the creeds and the Reformation, uh, and it's a good, straightforward book, Understanding Classic Doctrine Justification. came out, I don't know, about 10 years ago, and it's by a, a publishing company called Puritan and Reformed, and uh, uh, John is a Reformed Presbyterian, John Fesco. Uh, uh, another one, if I could move over to the, my Reformed Baptist buddies, uh, Tom Schreiner, who's a professor at Southern, uh, uh, the Southern Baptist School in uh, Louisville, he wrote a book called Faith Alone, uh, the Doctrine of Justification, and that's by Zondervan, uh, and he's sort of uh, pitching it toward uh, the interested layman and a seminary student, but anyway, Tom Schreiner, Faith Alone, The Doctrine of Justification, has a whole bunch of short chapters, and he looks at it in a whole bunch of uh, different ways. If we want a little more kind of uh, uh, sophisticated reader, he already knows the basics of justification. Uh, I might suggest uh, a gentleman, professor named Michael Allen, and he has a, a thin book, but it's a very sophisticated called Justification and the Gospel. And he looks at a variety of issues, including in what sense justification is the foundation as you're moving towards your goal. And that's one of his big things is uh, justification is the foundation and the goal is communion with Christ, uh, and that's by Baker. And then for the most, uh, the person who wants to read the most, uh, <laughs> Mike, Michael Horton, just a couple months ago, came out with a two-volume work on justification. Michael Horton's a professor at Westminster, California. Uh, and this is two volumes, and it's published uh, by Zondervan. Uh, so that was Fesco, Understanding Classic Doctrines of Justification, Schreiner, Faith Alone, the Doctrine of Justification, Michael Allen, Justification and the Gospel, and then Michael Horton, uh, two volumes on justification. Uh, Excellent. And then, yeah, and also standard, what we call systematic theologies in the Protestant tradition, conservative Protestant tradition, are going to have good chapters on uh uh, justification, but those are books uh, that I might recommend. Yeah, those are those are excellent. Um, I would also just add studies on saving faith by A. W. Pink and oh. faith alone, the evangelical doctrine of justification, and. Uh, yeah, that that would be good. And then you know the standard, as you said, systematic theology books. Uh, there's a there's a good series coming out uh, on that. Um, I can't remember when this one's going to come out, but it's it'll be good. The first volume of Reformed Systematic Theology by Beaky and Small Beaky and Smalley was uh, very right. helpful, and I, I know that it'll come out with a volume. So I encourage. That's from Crossway, also. So yeah, there's there's just a lot, as you said, of good books on on this. That's interesting to me that you named A. W. Pink. He had a. Uh, uh, it's interestingly positively. Uh, he had uh, an influence on my life back in my uh, his books. Uh, you know, in my engineering days, I read probably almost everything he had written. Uh, he was both kind of intellectually, but also an emotional kind of writer, um, and made a very positive. Uh, impact on me um, to love Christ more. Uh, uh, so I kind of liked your A.W. Pink <laughs> answer there. Excellent. I, I also yeah. like him for that same reason. I, I find him to be very, uh, very helpful. I, I just appreciate his work. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're a good boy, Dave. I, naming A.W. Pink. I try. Uh, I'll, I'll rub my head and and uh, and uh, pat my stomach now. That, that's what I feel like doing. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> 
Okay, well, we better get back to this topic before we goof off. Um, okay. So, so just just wrapping up this conversation, uh, Bob, and I, I've really enjoyed talking with you. Um, is there any takeaways that you have for our listeners on this important topic? Well, uh, of course, I can have a hundred. Maybe I'll say it this way. Um, justification is super important. There's a few things in the Bible that are super important. The Trinity, two natures of Christ, he's fully God and fully man. And then the central aspects of the gospel, which the foundation of that, the central aspects of the good news is uh, through the work of Christ, we're justified. Uh, and then part of the good news is we also get the Holy Spirit to live for uh, Christ and then are glorified and get to heaven with him. Uh, but justification, since it's the starting point of our life with Christ, uh, it is very important. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the Roman Catholics had gone one way and kind of got off off the track on justification, and then this this academic thing called new perspective, which is filtering down to at least some of our Protestant churches, has gotten off the track uh, also. But um, we should love God for many uh, reasons, but one important reason is what he's done for us in justification. It should be heartwarming uh, to every Christian. Mm, well said, brother. Well said. Well, Bob, I really have enjoyed the conversation. It's, it's been fun, and uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'd love to have you back on um, and look forward to getting to know you more in the coming days. <laughs> okay, Dave, and uh, I look forward to hearing other podcasts from your channel here. Thank you, brother. Okay, bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you were encouraged by today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. For more uplifting and thought-provoking content, please visit us online at servantsofgrace.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Servants of Grace and on Facebook at facebook.com slash servantsofgrace. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you next time.